Hello, this is episode 376 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Nisha Riley. So I'm going to put this into the general open source podcast space. I may develop it a little bit more and put it in a few other places into the subscription spaces. Unusually, I normally have a kind of a lag with what I'm working with and what I comment on, but things have been kind of colliding and... I think that many of the people that I've been working with are very developed and won't mind me putting out material. I think they'll have a sense that they, they would want me to share it. So there's a couple of different topics that I've been working on. One is the concept of creating for a mirror or for a muse. And it was quite ironic because the exercise ended up being a mirror back to me. And I think much of what I have gone through in the last two weeks has had that purpose for me it's acted as a mirror many people say to me that I'm I'm not strong enough in my messaging in terms of what I do and the honest answer to that is that I really struggle to have any language around it I don't often see that my frame of reference is so different or the space that I'm working from and I was even talking with a friend over the weekend over coffee about this and they were sort of saying yet again a phrase that's been used a lot which is that I have a sort of a bird's eye view of things and I think that much of the language around impersonal development even in psychology in many different areas is so entrenched in supremacy in academia in being better beyond above you know, even the concept of saying that I have a bird's eye view, it's just a sense that maybe even though I'm feeling so much and I'm so connected, I'm less conditioned and I have more objectivity or more space sometimes. And for me, you're not really beyond. You've just travelled further in experiences and you've integrated those experiences. And then you can project them back out to be useful to other people. They can become what I described to somebody earlier today as they can become tethering points. They can become seeding points. They can become places and markers almost along a journey and along a map for other people to follow. But it was it was very interesting for me to discover that most people were much more comfortable creating for a muse. And I have created for muses in the past, as many artists have, as many creative people have. But it's a very outward process, and you're basically creating for a reaction. And in that reaction, you're then responding. Whereas to create for a mirror is a very inward journey and an inward process, where there's a reflection back to you. And what's interesting is, is that many people are not comfortable with that because they either don't have a really clear self-view or they're not, they haven't got a discernment to figure out what's constructive and what's being reflected to them and maybe what's not, what is reflection and what is projection. And for me, the real benefits of creating for a mirror is that what you do project out is a healed version it's a healed view 
and it's clean. And that's what I mean, that it can then become an experience point for somebody else. It can become a very clean point. And it's interesting how this is overlapped then in a number of sessions I've done recently on the ideas of creating open or closed spaces, either in terms of mentoring or in terms of workshops, in terms of hosting spaces. And many people generally gravitate towards holding closed spaces. And one of the phrases that will be used over and over is that they feel safe. I'm going to come back and explore that in a minute. What we can replace safe with to be a little bit more constructive. And for me, I have always gravitated to creating open spaces. And what I say to people is that in that openness, even in creating a school, even in encouraging the teachers to create their own classes, in the sort of training session I did with them, it takes an awful lot more work to have an open space. You do a lot more preparation. There's a lot more, ironically, there's a lot more structure. There's a lot more tethering points for people to follow. You have to have that kind of healed mirror mindset to be responding to the room. There's a sense that the room is not being led by you. You aren't coming in with all of the answers. You have an overall objective aim to create from the, from the space or from the experience, but you don't know how that's going to unfold. And you're allowing the room to determine how that's going to unfold. And that takes, you know, it takes a, a confidence to do that and a secureness to do that in yourself. And that is why I did the training session with, with my teachers. It wasn't to teach them how to teach. It was to promote their own self-secureness and self-awareness so that they would be able to be confident enough to go into a classroom and do that. It's never going to be the same. It's never going to unfold the same way. It's entirely driven by the people in the room. It's driven by the dynamics in their interactions with each other. You have to have a really strong moral point of view. You have to be incredibly aware of other people's backgrounds. You have to have the ability to call out people when they're not being respectful to each other or they're just they're simply not seeing something from someone else's point of view. You have to have the confidence to get them to step into the roles that they're most comfortable in. And this is one of the aspects that I'd like to come back to. Like a lot of people view comfort zones as being a space where there isn't growth. And we see this over and over in Instagram posts. And I realize that I do do an exercise with many people that I mentor, particularly teens, and I ask them what is inside and outside their comfort zone. But I'm not asking them to change that. I'm just asking them simply the question of what is inside and outside your comfort zone. I'm asking them to have awareness in that, but I'm not particularly asking them to change. They may change as they grow older and as they gain confidence, and maybe things for everybody as we have more experiences and we know ourselves better or we've simply done more or we've been in more situations, things that were outside our comfort zone in the past won't be now. But it's not as, it's not as simple as asking someone to just ditch their comfort zone and take down all of their own boundaries. So what you're really doing in a room is you're making it feel safe in a way that isn't contained. 
And one of the ways that you do that is by helping everyone to feel seen and by helping everyone to fall into a role and a place that they feel comfortable in. So rather than focusing on comfort zones and safety, what you do is you focus on the comfort of people. And when people are comfortable, like I do a lot of introductory chit-chat with people, I share enough of myself constructively, I'm open. And I do that so that other people will be able to match that energy and match that openness. It's not oversharing. It has to be, it's, it has to be comfortable what, what you share. It has to be constructive in what you share. And in that way, you can create open spaces that do feel safe. They feel safe because people are comfortable. And they're not being asked to go into roles that are outside their comfort zone. And by being in a role that you do feel that you can do well, like for me, I will never assume going into a room that everybody there can read and write. I will never assume that, that English is their first language. I will never assume that there are people there who like to present and like to talk. I will never assume that there are not people there who need more think space and more integration time. That space will always be provided for them. So all of those, that's what I mean. There's far more preparation involved in creating an open space. There's far more to consider. It's much easier to walk into a situation in teacher mode or lecture mode or guru mode and to feel that you're right and that you're holding the room, holding this container from the top of the room and that everything is going to pan out the way that you've dreamed up and everyone is going to react to it in the way that you've determined in certain parameters. That is the way that most personal development works. And there are, you know, there are many leading things that take place. There are many ways that we determine a closed space in terms of simply our narrative, in the spiel that we bring into a room, in the way that we associate energy, in the way that we talk, in the assumptions we make around people's demographics and backgrounds, or how they're going to relate to a topic. There are many ways that we close a room, even by simply opening our mouths and doing the introduction speech, rather than creating a space where you have a, a topic and an experience to explore with a room full of people and you're opening it up in a way that's allowing that exploration and allowing that innovative way that it's going to be explored and that it's going to unfold in a room. And you can see that one of those structures is incredibly safe, which is why most education, most teachers will walk in with a plan, with a lesson plan in how this is going to unfold. It's terrifying for them to break up the room into groups and for it to be completely left field, especially with teenagers who have a mind and a brain and are from a generation that thinks differently to you and who could bring anything into the topic. And you might not know about it. You might not know about what they're going to bring into you. And you might be, have to be open enough to sit there and admit that. So you're no longer right. But it's extraordinary how the concept of mirrors and muses and that sense of what we put out to the world and what we create for is so connected in terms of how we 
perceive to hold a room or whole space. And so I've, I've really ditched the idea of holding. I've never, I've never really been comfortable with that term because I know from people that I work with and that I mentor and they say to me, you know, you hold people but you don't hold them in the way that, that people think you hold them. And that's why I've gone to the concept of, of tethering where, yes, there is a kind of a tangent and a tread and a, and a guiding and, 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 you know, an energy exchange and an idea exchange, but it's, 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 more, it's freer. It's kind of like you can feed back. You can, you can feed back and, and, and check in and, and look for the next, the next marker, the next, the next place or the next signal to, to keep moving, to keep traveling, to keep moving forward. But it's, it's not closed in that way. And it's fascinating that you have to go on a journey that prepares you to, to integrate all of your experiences and have people reflect back to you in different ways and to even go into every new mentoring session or new person that you meet or new person you work with or your, the new room you go to and to think about what that reflects back to you and to have a strong enough sense of yourself and who you are and how you relate to others and your positioning and the conditioning in the world and my lack of conditioning each time to go through a reflective process that then when you do put something out it contains all of those elements and all of that that journey and that awareness and that sort of guided healing so that what you're putting back out and that's exactly what you're doing each time you walk into a new space. You're being so conscious about what you're putting into that space and whether you're really taking over from the other people present or whether you're allowing yourself to learn and to be mirrored back to again. So it's the potential each time you hold an open space for you to actually learn something rather than you, for you to have just gone in there with an agenda. And that's a very different way to look at the world. Someone described it to me this week that it's a very creative way to look at the world. You're constantly creating from each situation. How many people want to create from the classes that they walk in to teach? So it is, it's, it's, been a, it's been a fascinating journey for me over the last few weeks of the different topics that have collided and the different way that you enter a space and the agendas or lack of agendas that you have in there and the sense of exploration that you see possible. But it's extraordinary how many predetermined measures we have, how many expectations we have coming in to host any room, how we think people should neatly fit into what we think is going to happen what we think is going to take place, what we think people are going to learn, what we think they're going to experience, and how we measure them all off each other. And we, and we do so much of this subconsciously that we don't even realize we're measuring. And for me, like I'm, I'm this, this point again was, was made in it by a few different people to me and it really kind of resonated. I spoke a little bit and they said they resonated and we bounced off each other. And it's this, sense that 
to be so present, to be so connected, to be so reflective on what's taking place for everyone in the room, not just for yourself. And to see where other people are often moving from a lot of conditions and measures and guided assumptions and the ego of the person at the top of the room who's defined how, you know, that this is right and this is how it should all be. To be in a position where you're constantly reflecting that back to the room and acting as a mirror. And as a result, then, that that isolates you and puts you out on the outside, which is quite ironic because you're the one person who's connected to everything that's taking place. And yet you find yourself on the outside. And that's that distance, that sort of bird eye view that's so hard to find language to put to in the same way as it's so hard to find language that you're so connected and you have so much care and so much responsibility to so many people and yes you're holding all of that but you're not holding those people in a limited way you're caring for them in a way that allows their journey and their growth and their freedom so it is like it's 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 so difficult to find language and it's so difficult that all of it is so loaded and has so many different perceptions for people. And those are the sort of levels and layers that I have an awareness to, which is why I insist on people holding or guiding a room in an open way to allow for all of those layers to take place, for them to to put down their preconceived ideas of imparting knowledge, of achieving their aims, of holding space, for all of that to be put down in a way that allows everyone to explore. <laughs>